The Squiz is a free weekday email and podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Good morning, I'm Claire Kimball. And I'm Larissa Moore. It's Tuesday the 30th of June. In your Squiz today, China's state media accuses Australia of spying, COVID-19 not even close to being over, Sea Folly Swimwear goes under, and Vale Margarita Prakatan. This is your Squiz today. China's state media outlet, The Global Times, has accused Australia of spying, saying they've detected several cases of espionage, including an attempt to install wiretaps in the Chinese embassy in Canberra. They're promising vigorous countermeasures to safeguard China's national security. It's another escalation in a pretty strained relationship, Claire. It is, and experts say that it's the most serious escalation of all of those accusations that have come our way from China so far. Remember, it's only a few weeks ago that China warned students and tourists of racist attacks in Australia. Uh, They've also put tariffs on our barley exports and they've suspended some beef exports. Their ambassador in China has also warned us that there could be a consumer backlash and it seems to have really escalated when Australian politicians called for an independent inquiry into the emergence of the handling of COVID-19. But the truth is that things have been rocky between us for some time. When asked about it yesterday, Prime Minister Scott Morrison said, I wouldn't be relying on Chinese state media for your sources for questions. But otherwise, what has the reaction been? Well, we'll see what Scott Morrison has to say today. He's actually making an announcement of $1.35 billion to boost our cyber security arrangements. So that seems to be the perfect opportunity to say a little bit more about that. But it seems that we just have to push ahead and he hasn't backed down to date. In fact, it was only a few weeks ago that he said that he's never going to trade our values in response to coercion from wherever it comes, which was a fair broadside Uh, back at China. But it seems like there's some way to go. And it's particularly concerning for our exporters, of course, who has China as a really big market for their wares. Reports say our officials are putting a lot of effort into boosting our ties with other emerging nations like India. Meanwhile, an investigation into allegations that Chinese government agents infiltrated the office of New South Wales Upper House member Shaket Mosulmane continue. Over to a COVID-19 update now, and as the death toll passed half a million yesterday, Dr Tedros, the boss of the World Health Organization, has warned that this crisis is not even close to being over. In fact, he says that it's speeding up, and he said that we're all in this for the long haul, that we need even greater stories of resilience, patience, humility and generosity in the months ahead. That's a pretty grim warning. Looking at Victoria's COVID-19 situation, yesterday was their fourth worst day since the pandemic began with 75 new cases. They're overwhelmingly concentrated in the 10 suburbs that have been identified as hotspots. Queensland have now announced new restrictions around sporting teams that play or are from Melbourne with new quarantine rules that are going to have an impact on the upcoming AFL draw. And also, just before we move on, the EU has named Australia as one of 14 countries whose citizens are deemed safe to be let in from the 1st of July, despite the pandemic. They're trying to make some use of their tourist season. 
Yesterday, we spoke about the New York Times report that said Russia had offered bounties to the Taliban to kill coalition soldiers. In a further update, US military intelligence now says that those bounties did lead to the deaths of several US service members. It's unknown exactly how many troops might have been targeted, but certainly a piece of intelligence has been run by the Washington Post and picked up by other news outlets that it did actually lead to the loss of life of US soldiers uh, and whether it's more broad into other coalition forces uh, is yet to be told. There's been a bit of back and forth between Donald Trump uh, and officials about whether he was briefed or whether he wasn't. Of course, this is a, a fairly serious allegation about the White House's handling of this issue, particularly if it comes down to its relationship with Russia. Back home now and a little update on politics. There's a by-election happening this Saturday in Eden Monero. To recap, Labor are hoping to hold on to the seat while the Coalition are hoping to pull off a once-in-a-hundred-years miracle of winning a seat off an opposition in a by-election. Things are getting a little dirty in the campaign, though, Claire. Yeah, it seems that there has been a case of spam emails being sent claiming that Labor's candidate, Christy McBain, had dropped out of the race. That's, of course, an issue because there's going to be a lot of postal votes and a lot of pre-poll votes in this by-election in the era of COVID-19. And that means that thousands of voters are potentially making their vote on information that isn't correct. So that's been referred to the Federal Police for investigation. There's almost 22,000 votes have already been cast at early polling centres. A message now from our podcast partner, Uber Eats. Uber Eats is committed to getting cities moving safely again, and they've partnered with Dettol to help you order with confidence. Stay listening at the end of today's podcast episode, where we chat with Kelly Clenton, head of delivery partners at Uber Eats Australia and New Zealand, to find out how they're moving what matters. Claire, iconic Australian swimwear brand Seafolly has appointed an administrator to look for a buyer after COVID-19's devastating impact on their retail sales. That's certainly what the administrator says. Um, They have stores not just here in Australia, but also in the US, in Singapore and in France. And their swimwear is stocked by 2,700 stockists worldwide. So that's a lot of togs (laughs) around the world that have come from Seafolly. But it seems that with COVID-19, it just hasn't been able to make it work and now they're looking for a new buyer to take it on. Yeah, not many swimmers needed for overseas holidays this year at all. Even if Europe says we can go. (laughs) Exactly. Finally, Claire, entertainer Margarita Prakatan passed away last week, aged 89. She sounds like she was quite the unique entertainer. You're too young, Larissa, to have probably grown up watching the Clive James show on a Saturday night as it turned up on the ABC uh, as I was going through. But yes, Margarita Prakatan was quite a character and a real highlight of a show that was much loved here in Australia and particularly in the UK as well. Clive James, the show's host uh, who recently died um, once said that he was asked if Margarita was the same in real life as she appeared on the telly and he said absolutely and had all sorts of stories about she just forgets the words to these songs (laughs) she just makes them up as (laughs) she just never stops and she really is something to behold so probably best to jump into the email and click on the link and have a, a look at her style she really was quite unique. Someone described it as being somewhere between Speedy Gonzalez and Carmen Miranda. That's about right. (laughs) 
Claire, what's the subject line today? I've gone for a lyric from the Temptations song, So Get Ready. Uh, It's So Get Ready, Here I Come. Boris Johnson really is pushing through. He says that he's in good health. He was asked by uh, the Sunday Mail whether he was fit and healthy and he got down on his uh, his feet and hands and did some push-ups. He's ready to go, he says. (laughs) Yeah, quite a thing. I'm as fit as a butcher's dog now, he says. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Have a great Tuesday. We've got some news. Kate will be back from Matt Leave this week. We'll be sharing co-hosting duties on the podcast. But, Claire, you'll be in Kate's capable hands from tomorrow. I'll be here. (laughs) You're the one constant. (laughs) (laughs) Have a good one. Stay listening for this interview with Uber Eats' Kelly Clempton, and we will chat to you tomorrow. We're having a chat today with Kelly Clenton, Head of Delivery Partners at Uber Eats Australia and New Zealand, about how Uber Eats is making sure Australians can order with confidence amidst the changes of COVID-19. Thanks for joining us, Kelly. Thanks a lot for having me, Larissa. First up, Uber Eats is now in more than 24 cities and towns across Australia. You're in every state and territory. You'll soon be in Wagga and Harvey Bay, which is exciting for them. It must mean you've got a fair few restaurants on board. We've got 25,000 restaurant partners using the Uber Eats app to drive demand to their restaurants across the country. And uh, certainly with everyone cooped up at home at the moment, there is there is certainly no shortage of demand. Yeah, a lot of Aussies have turned to food delivery in the last few months because of COVID. How has it been managing this increased demand and have our eating habits changed? We're seeing more Australians ordering earlier in the day during COVID likely because they've had a long day at home with the family and need some relief. Yep. We've seen our peak delivery time shift forward by an hour. So people are eating closer to 6pm right. and our breakfast orders have doubled. So people are looking for, um, you know, to have a, a pleasant dining experience at home um, mm. in the morning more, more frequently. On the restaurant front, we have seen a spike in requests to join the platform from restaurants and caterers, um, especially during the early stages of COVID. Many restaurants have historically seen uh, delivery as being incremental to their business, Um, but the delivery channels take on a a much more significant uh, role in their business during the lockdown, and we need to make sure that we are lined up to support that, support the restaurant owners um, in this time of their need. It's been a busy time for you. To add to that, you've also partnered with Feed Appeal to make 50,000 free food deliveries to support vulnerable households during the pandemic, and you've also donated 25,000 meals to our frontline medical workers. On partnerships, tell us about what you've been able to do with Dettol, that iconic hygiene brand. At Uber, we stand for safety, and that's more than just a tagline. It's a commitment that underpins everything that we do, um, and especially my team in the, in the delivery partner side. Um, so we did mobilise quickly to respond. In the delivery partner world, our focus has been on enabling delivery partners to deliver safely. Uh, we introduced the default contactless delivery option um, early on in the pandemic, and we've supported delivery partners directly with access to sanitising products, such as through the partnership with Reckitt Benkiza um, to distribute Dettol um, that you mentioned. We're also providing ongoing education on best practices for personal and delivery safety, and we're really pleased to hear the sentiment from partners that in being out there on the road and, and using these safe practices that they're recognised as essential workers during the during the crisis. Another part of these safe practices is the go online checklist that you've developed. Tell us what this is about. Sure thing. So every day uh, when a delivery partner goes online in the app, they're asked to confirm which safety measures they've taken to help prevent the spread of COVID-19. And the items in this checklist include having sanitised their delivery bag or vehicle, using hand sanitizer or soap and water to make sure that they have great hand hygiene, 
a commitment to practicing social distancing and that they will follow the contactless delivery instructions that we have in the app. So that's all about peace of mind for your drivers, your customers and your delivery partners. Thanks so much for talking to us today, Kelly. We can't let you go though without asking what your go-to Uber Eats order is. Uh, it is the char rotisserie chicken. Uh, very simple pleasure, um, but it, it never fails. You can't go past a good roast chook. Thank you so much for talking to us today, Kelly. Thanks a lot, Larissa. This interview was brought to you by our podcast partner, Uber Eats. The Squiz is a free weekday email and podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Sign up at thesquiz.com.au. A message now from our podcast partner, BHP. The steel made from iron ore plays an important role in providing the production of our energy infrastructure, from wind turbines to power poles. So cutting carbon emissions in iron ore production is key. It's why BHP has committed to a solar and battery agreement to help power its port facilities at Port Headland. It's happening now at BHP.